The guests on Love Hurts occasionally use some adult language and go into some more intense subject matter. But that's kind of how real life works anyway. This is Love Hurts. I'm Brian Berlin. Today's guest is Jana Fisher. Jana is a writer and storyteller living in Los Angeles. Jana talks with me about her purity pledge, a pact she made at the age of 12 to not kiss anyone before getting married. When she gets a boyfriend at 14, the stress of sex and religion start to collide in her life, throwing Jana into a journey to discovering her own voice. Hey, Jana, how's it going? Hey, how are you doing? Pretty good. Yeah? Just, I got my flu shot yesterday. That's exciting. And I feel like I've just been like woozy and out of it all day. You must be thrilled. It's been a real <laughs> exciting day. And now I'm here. Fun. Yeah. You came all the way across the country. To I do, came just from for LA this. just for this, just only to be here in yes. this room right now. Yeah. And you gave me rain. Why did you do that? I'm it's sorry. so rude. <laughs> it's so real rude. bad. Um, yeah. But thank you for coming to do this. Um, what did you want to talk about today? Uh, so I'm going to talk about my virginity pledge that I made when I was a teenager. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. Um, so I I come from an evangelical Christian family. My father is a minister. Actually, multiple of my uncles and my cousins are also ministers. Whoa. Sort okay. of like the family business. And I grew up between Ohio and Florida. And... Being a young girl, the second thing that I was taught after, you know, following Jesus, the next most important thing was to stay a virgin until I was married. <laughs> uh, my mom told me that um, having sex before marriage was like tearing the petals off of a rose and then trying to glue them back on to give to your husband. Oh, like, man. this is a really shitty gift here. Um, and she told me that anyone who valued me as a person would also value my sexual purity. And I'm I'm kind of an overachiever, so um, I heard when I heard an ad on the radio for this program called Passport to Purity, I asked my mom to buy it, and it was um, a series of tapes uh, narrated by <laughs> Dr. James Dobson of Focus on the Family that were supposed to give you instructions for how to guard your virginity until marriage. So they were like motivational tapes, but for keeping your virginity. Yes, but you were supposed to listen to them with your same gender parent and like oh. go on a little retreat for the weekend, like a fun bonding oh, weekend like and like listen to the tapes in the car <laughs> together. So I listened to these tapes with my mom that were like, talking about how I could maintain my sexual boundaries and how to avoid <laughs> masturbation. And like, we were supposed to have all of these heart to hearts about dating and purity and stuff. And my mom told me that uh, she regretted kissing everyone that she'd kissed before she'd met my dad. So at the end of the program, I pledged that I wasn't going to kiss anyone until I was married. Whoa. Um, and mind you, I was 12 years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at 12, you're like making these big <laughs> At 12, I'm never going to kiss anyone my whole life. I didn't even know what kissing was, Yeah, basically. like you were so far away from kissing somebody, but you were like, I don't need to do this. I, don't, I definitely don't need to do that. That just seems gross and God hates it. So I can't do that. <laughs> Was there, I mean, I guess like obviously there's more to this story that you're going to get into, but do you remember like the first time that you were like, oh, I kind of want to kiss somebody or like that first time that you were like, maybe I shouldn't have like cut it off at kissing? Like, Well, like 
I I was a total like Disney nut. Which, okay. So it's funny to me that I was like, yeah. oh, I, I can totally abstain from kissing because like everybody in kisses movies. in Disney movies. <laughs> like that's the happy ending is they kiss and then they ride up into the sunset. So I'm shocked that I was even entertaining that idea. Yeah, it was just going back to that like person who wanted to overachieve there like i'm gonna do this as like yeah. good as i can i'm do gonna it. be the best yeah. christian ever i'm not gonna kiss anyone until marriage and mind you i knew people who did that later in my life okay. i did meet people who okay. actually did that so there are people out there who yeah do i don't that. think it's like un undoable no, it's just like yeah. a lot of pressure it's to- a lot of pressure especially when you're like i'm 12 and i don't even know what dating is like yeah, yeah. Did yeah. you feel like you're even like, like looking back on it now? You like realistically weren't even at a point that you could like make a decision like that that would actually. I don't make think I had like my first legitimate crush by that point. I think yeah, I, exactly. I was just like, like you were oh, just like, dating oh, is this cut, evil I'll just thing. Shut this like, down. Yeah, I'm just gonna like cut off all temptations from my life, and yeah. then God will show me my husband. He'll just like appear, totally. and I'll know it's the right person. <laughs> I don't know what I thought, and yes. then I'll kiss him on our wedding day. I'll be really magical. Yeah, your and beautiful. first kiss, like at the altar. Yeah, at the altar at like probably 19 is what yes. I was imagining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'll be like 19 no, like, years old, seven getting years, married. I'll have my yeah, friend. I can totally hold out on kissing anyone for seven years. Yeah, yeah, but um, instead, what happened was I met a boy uh, at. I was 14 at church camp and I met this boy playing the piano and um, Bring Me to Life by Evanescence had just come out (laughs) and he knew how to play the opening riff. And so there were like 10 people gathered around this piano watching him play this. And I don't know if you know this, but like um, Evanescence is kind of a secret Christian band. Yeah, they seem semi-Christian. Yeah, so they were always like, we have these undertones of religion, um, even though we're really dark. And so Christian kids thought it was acceptable to like them. Yeah, it was like a cool band to like. Yeah, as a a Christian, it was like super edgy to like Evanescence. Um, And I had just started writing original music. So I, you know, traded him with like, here's my first original song that's also very dark. (laughs) Heavily inspired by (laughs) Evanescence. Yeah. And so after camp, uh, we started, chatting online so like the early days of aim um and he lived in another city he lived in ocala florida and i lived in bradenton florida those towns are three miles they're three hours away okay so it's like Um, significant yeah yeah. it's a significant distance for a 14 year old and a 17 year old oh and also he was 17 which is also a big deal that is a big deal i was kind of like oh it's an older boy yeah but like still like acceptable but always older (laughs) it was really cool um and Ocala is really boring. It's like all horse country. Okay. And then Bradenton is beautiful. It's on the beach, but it's a retirement community. And so it's there's not anything to do there as a teenager. It's like got really great um, social activities for the 55 plus crowd, <laughs> but it's like not for teens. Yeah. So we were both very bored. Okay. Um, and one weekend after camp, he decided that he was going to drive down and meet my parents. Mind you, my parents had also told me that I wasn't allowed to date until I was 16 and I was 14. Oh, okay. So this boy came down and like, we weren't allowed to do anything at first, except um, like he went out to dinner with my parents and I think we like went to the beach and... Um, my parents ended up being so impressed with him and like what a good Christian he was. They're like, oh yeah, you can actually date him. And I'm like, what? but you what? told yeah. me that I couldn't date till I was 16. They're like, well, we just like said that so you wouldn't make any stupid decisions, but he's clearly a good Christian boy that you met at church camp. So I think he's okay. I was like, oh, that's really cool. 
Um, so we continued our like long distance phone calls and chatting. And I remember one day he was talking, we were making jokes about, um, giving each other mouth to mouth, you know, like you do when <laughs> like, you're a teenager. Like CPR. Yeah. And you like, don't want to talk about like the thing that you really want to talk about. <laughs> so we were joking about doing mouth to mouth and I was like, oh, well, you know, I had kind of thought I wouldn't kiss anyone before I was married. And he went into this thing about how like... I think married couples that he knew said that tongue kissing was the ultimate pleasure and that, you know, we couldn't miss out on that. And I was like, oh, uh, okay. <laughs> um, and, but I, cause I liked him. I yeah, liked yeah, him yeah. a lot. I liked hugging him. I liked holding his hand. And it was like my, the first time I had been with anyone where I was like touching them physically and like felt any, anything like that. So um, I was kind of like, oh, well, maybe, maybe it's okay if I kiss him. Maybe that's okay. So, um, on one of our weekends when he drove down to see me, um, we went out to see a movie and we kissed in the back of this movie theater and it was terrible. It was like, you know, it was both of our first kiss and it was um, in the back of intolerable cruelty with uh, George Clooney and Catherine Zeta-Jones. <laughs> yeah, the Coen brother, the bad Coen brother. It was movie. terrible. All I wrote, and like that made the kiss even worse because the movie was awful. You didn't, yeah. And we were just like, that's that's it. That's like what that's supposed to feel like. And so then we left that date and we were like, oh, maybe maybe we didn't need to do that. Maybe that we didn't need to do that at all. Um, <laughs> but then like <laughs> the next time he came down to see me, I don't, I guess we must have been given a lot of free reign of how much alone time my parents would yeah, let us have. Yeah, it did seem like they just right they on just board. They just were suddenly were like, like oh, he's good. So like yeah. do whatever. So we ended up like, going in the back of his car and like making out and then this became a ritual of ours we would like find places to park your car like you do when yeah, you're a classic, teenager yeah. like you like go and you park your car and you start making out and then somehow that turned into like him feeling me up and like him like touching me in ways I didn't think that any good Christian boy would ever <laughs> want to touch me and I like didn't really know what was happening like I think that I had been taught so much about like how bad sex was. I like that idea was reinforced, but the idea that I could ever stand up to anyone was not reinforced because uh, yeah, like that's a completely different set of things. Um, yeah, to to sort of say like I'm not ready for this like type of thing you're yeah, saying that I was to say I wasn't ready or to like push back against him. I also. From the, this religion doesn't allow women to be ministers. Like yes, women yeah. can't really be in leadership. So like, I guess I always thought of myself as sort of inferior to men, even though no one actually act outright said that. Yeah, to me. it was just like the world that you were brought up in had this weird perception where it was like, okay, this is kind of this thing that has been sort of put on me, even though I didn't realize it was being put on me. Yeah. So. I don't, I just like thought that I needed to. Yeah, like it wasn't your him. place to say yeah. that I'm not ready for this or like. Right. Yeah. And so then I like, I thought, I think I was mad at myself that I put myself in the position in the first place. Like, oh, I should have just never gotten into his car. Right. Yeah. Cause it wasn't on like the, the two of you or him. It was on like. It was yeah, on you me. Put, yeah. Yeah. It was on which me. Is not and, fair to right, yourself. Definitely and, not fair. But um, I definitely felt. A lot of guilt around it yeah. and I also like I didn't even like anything we were doing like that's the worst part like I had never had a lesson in female anatomy okay so yeah. like he's like 
sticking his fingers in my cooch. And I'm like, why doesn't this feel like anything? I don't understand what, like, why no, do people he, like this? He has no sense of what he's doing no, and he you don't know no, what he's supposed to be doing. I can't even tell him yeah, what he's supposed yeah, to like. be doing. Um, and uh, Yeah, which is yeah. also like classic. You're figuring things out, but then you're also dealing with like this other pressure of like, I'm, this is wrong. Yeah. So it's like, you're not just a young couple who's like trying to figure out each other's like connecting with each other right. you're also you're like i'm not supposed to be doing this and it doesn't feel doing good this, and it doesn't feel good and it's not supposed to feel good because i'm sinning yes yeah that's why this isn't yeah, feeling good that's yeah. definitely the reason is because it's sinful yes so how long has it been um, that you've been dating at this so point? we dated f- in total we i think we dated for like eight or nine months at this point and then he invited me up to Ocala to go to prom with him. And I was like a sophomore going to a senior's prom, which was like really super cool. Because none of my (laughs) friends had been to prom yet. Um, But really like the whole point of him taking me to prom was like to get me naked. And I was like, that's like not what I even signed up for at all. I don't understand what you're doing. Oh, so he had these like intentions that you weren't down with. I wasn't really down with that. But like I was still like, I just like went along with stuff. Oh, man, which is just like... Well, I think like at this point, I thought like if he loved me like he said he did and he didn't value protecting my purity, then like I must not be valuable. Like I must not have value. And so then I thought I had to like do anything I could to make him love me or make him think I was worthy. Like I had to do all of these things that I didn't really feel comfortable with and I felt bad about in the eyes of God um, in order to make him think I had value to him, which was really, really sad for me. And it made me feel really distant for him, from him. Yeah, because it, it seemed at this point you were feeling less and less of the connection that you initially felt and then just getting like stressed out and, yeah. and not knowing how I was to... like, what do, what do I have to do to make him like me right now? Like, um, or why is why are these things happening and why don't I like them? Or, you know, am I going to be able to keep my long distance boyfriend and like... Yeah, there's a lot of pressure coming in from multiple places. Right, for sure. And you just kind of putting it all on yourself. Yeah, yeah. So we had these plans to go to church camp together again, like the new iteration of the church camp where we had met. And um, he went with my youth group to church camp with us and... At the church camp, he told me that the long distance thing was too hard and that um, he needed a break. And then, but meanwhile, like this is like two days into church camp and we are (laughs) still hanging out, still like going to music rehearsal rooms to play music together as I thought I was going to be playing music with him. And it's actually like, we're going to go in this room and make out and I'm like, like, okay, cool. So that's what that's about. So I thought that it was like, we were going to, you know, have some distance from each other and maybe talk to each other less, but we were still dating in my mind. I thought like, oh, we're still together because he's like still wanting to do these physical things with me. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you're going to have that conversation, you think you'd have it in a place where you're like, I, as somebody who also went to church camp and <laughs> dated somebody who went to church camp, I met at church. It was, I, my church camp was probably a little bit more like debaucherous, maybe, <laughs> I guess yours, but like literally I, my first kiss, like. First drink, oh first like virginity, yeah. like everything happened at, at this church camp. camp. That's and amazing. so, uh, why didn't I get invited to that one? Yeah, it was a fun church camp, and they're also my close friends, and we're all not that religious. So yeah. It's a weird oh, that's thing. That's so funny that but you went there. I went, dated somebody for a year yeah. and then like broke up with her literally like the first week of the next summer. 
which was a terrible idea because you just yeah. were around each other right? all the time. Yeah. Like even though I didn't want to be around, like you just couldn't but you avoid still each to other. See her all the time. Yeah, and that, that was like something where I thought we should break up, break up versus like this like, thing this seemed like, like a break. I don't want to do this, yeah. but then you're still doing it. Yeah, right, right, like, right, right. Yeah. Um, so this whole thing is just happening still. Right, right. Though- it's still kind of just happening. And, I, and so in my head, I'm like, okay, we're still together. Like he clearly hasn't interested in, in me. And I thought that like I could redeem myself of all of the the quote unquote bad things we had done together uh, if I could get him to marry me like when I turned 18. Yeah, like at this point, you're kind of like, yeah. well, this has to be the guy now. Yeah, this has to be the guy. Like I've done enough stuff that I'm not, like I'm still a virgin, but I'm not like a virgin virgin. Yeah, like the purest form right. that these tapes had talked about right, or whatever. Right, exactly. Yeah. And I certainly had like ruined my pledge <laughs> to ki- not kiss anyone yeah, before yeah. I got married. So um, I was trying to get him to marry me. Um, and I went up to Ocala to see his band play and... When I met up with him, I could tell something was different. Like his body language was different. And this was, was like, like after the summer. After the summer, okay. yeah. Um, and he, we were like kind of walking around the venue where his band's going to play. And he introduced me to this girl. And he's like, hey, this is Jana. Just so you can see where I'm coming from. And I didn't understand what that meant. And then we continued walking around and talking. And then he's like telling me about this story about how he met he met this good Christian girl who was like super beautiful and pure and innocent. And then he was talking on the phone to her a lot. And then he realized she was 13. And then he was trying to figure out how he could date a 13 year old. And that was the oh girl I had just met. Oh my God. And so I was just so devastated. Like, not only were we not together, you traded me in for a 13 year old. This guy is like He's kind like, of a creep really? in many ways. Yeah. And so. That I I thought my whole life was over because yeah, I was now completely that's used up with my first boyfriend. Oh like yeah, I, like you were I, just sort of thrown aside. I right? blew my shot, and he just like tossed me aside. And then I was like, "Who's gonna want to marry me now?" And so I tried to date uh, good Christian boys after that. And about this time, I'm like, I, I must have been like, you know, I think we were 15 when we were when he broke up with me. Um, I was 15 when he broke up with me and then like the rest of high school I would like try to date good Christian boys thinking something would be different and I found that like it was always kind of the same. It was always like I would have a conversation with them in the beginning of the the relationship like hey like I'm saving my virginity for marriage. I don't want to be super physical and these are the boundaries I think we should have and we would always cross them. And the second we would cross them, I would just like acquiesce because I had no ability to stand up for myself or to think that I had value. And also because they found out that I had been physical with my first boyfriend and then it turned into previous boyfriends, um, they would then say, well, like you need to do that with me too or our relationship's not on equal footing. And so I would say like, okay, well, I guess this is like the price of being with you and I want to be with you and also like I'm worthless anyway because I already did all of this stuff with this other boy. Yeah, because their their argument is like, well, you've already done this once so right. like just do it with us now. Right, right. Oh, man. Just terrible. Yeah. Um, but at the time I just like thought that was the way that my life was and I sort of, like I hated myself. Like I, I thought that I was really, um, that I was worthless and that I had really ruined my shot and I would, you know, pray and cry a lot and like talk to God about how bad of a sinner I was for having done all of this stuff. And meanwhile, like 
I'm still known as like the most Christian girl at school. <laughs> <laughs> like everyone's like, oh yeah, Jana, Jana, the minister's daughter, probably knows the whole Bible front to back. Which is like, you should have known how much of the Bible I memorized. Um, I went, I went to church three, four times a week. I was in multiple Whoa. youth group bands. Like it was a whole thing. It was my entire life. And then, yeah. secretly, I would tell my boyfriends about this, but no one else knew that I was like super uh, hating on myself for how I had compromised my purity. Yeah, because I guess it doesn't help that that religious aspect of your life is still so around you and all of this is happening, right? Because right. it's like that pressure becomes so much more intense every time you're like right. going to church and being around these like religious things. Yeah, and they made um, the purpose of youth group for a lot of adults would be to send their kids to a place where they would hear about how they shouldn't have sex before marriage. Okay. Like so. I had I had a youth minister that didn't talk enough about sex and talked mostly just about following God and being a good person and the parents complained. Like oh, man. the reason we're sending our children to you <laughs> is so you make them not have sex. And like I remember multiple times here like someone would come up to tell their story about how they had like already lost their virginity and be sobbing like sobbing hysterically yeah so it's this weird like scared straight program right. thing. yeah yeah like like this is so terrible you can't give away your most precious asset to someone you're not going to be with forever I'm like oh and so that would just make me feel worse about what i thought was my past and um meanwhile like everyone else outside of church was having sex and like yes. not having this kind of Yeah, they're of all like just living it. their life as a teen right. and not having this extra stress that you are just experiencing on like a daily basis. Right. Yeah. So by the time I was 20, I could barely be called a virgin. Like I'd still never done P and V, yeah. but I'd done so much other stuff that I thought that I was like a fallen woman sort of. And um, I didn't even know what the point of trying to pursue a good Christian boy was anymore. Like I felt like I was so out of God's favor that God wasn't going to give me anyone good and yeah. godly. And also it seemed like these guys were all kind of shitty too. They all sucked. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they all sucked. Um, so to my surprise, when this atheist boy that I was in school with uh, expressed interest in me, I started dating him he was the class clown, essentially. Like he had this crazy, goofy energy that would always get me uh, laughing to the point of delirium. <laughs> and when he was really focused with his attention on you, on me, it felt like I was like kind of melting, and like I had lost some sense of my uh, like the disconnect between me and him. So uh, I started dating him. And I told him we were not gonna have sex. Like we, I know, I know, like you don't care about this, but I still care. Like I'm saving myself for marriage, um, but we can grind on each other naked. <laughs> That's okay. I'm okay with that at this point because I've already done that. So whatever. And it, and it also seemed like you were actually very into this guy in maybe a way that you didn't feel that same. Like from a from like yeah. a sexual standpoint, there was a little bit of um like a sexual freedom about him yeah. and about his energy. Whereas like I might've been physically into boys I was dating, but there's something kind of sinister when you are, um, when you think that sex is this very negative thing yeah. and then you try to do something physical with someone that comes across. And I could definitely feel that. And it felt different 
with him because he didn't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, you can like take a little bit of the stress off of you. Like you're not as stressed out about it. Right, right. So that felt a little bit easier. And he didn't care about my quote unquote past. Yeah. Even though I was still really hung up on it. Um, he was just like, okay, cool. Like we'll do what you want to do. And that's fine. Um, and he he played bass in a cover band that played at a motorcycle bar where we went to college. There was, um, it was this very strange town in the middle of Florida that was, you know, <laughs> like uh, near Daytona and had a lot of motorcycle bars. Okay. And so, um, yeah, he played a gig as the bass player for this classic rock cover band. And then after that gig, we went back to his apartment and we... We're playing a zombie video game with his roommate uh, and taking a swig of alcohol every time a zombie did something zombie-like, <laughs> which I waited till my until I was 20 years old to start drinking. Okay. So just I thought this was like the greatest idea yeah. ever because I had just started drinking like a few yeah. months earlier. Okay. So I wasn't into like sophisticated drinking games of just like, let's take a swig of beer every time the zombie does something. Um, and so we got a little tipsy and then we went into his room to like grind on each other per usual because <laughs> that was our ritual. Um, and like we were grinding and he slipped in like it was just the tip, but I was drunk and I was like, oh, I, that, that felt kind of good. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, why don't you do that again? So then he did, I'm like, do it again. And he, so he did it again and I told him to keep going because I liked it. And then I liked it so much that I wanted to have sex again the next morning. And <laughs> everything looked different all of a sudden. Like, I, there was a day before spring break. I remember calling him from my car. I was driving down to the Florida Keys. I remember calling him from my car and telling him, I swear, I can see colors differently. Like, everything was brighter and I felt freer and looser. And I wrote down... Everything that happened in that next week that was on spring break, because I swore it was the best week of my life. <laughs> um, because I realized, like, the thing that I had been so freaked out about my whole teenage years was not had nothing to do with who I was as a person yeah. or my inherent worth. Um, and that sex was, like, not something, not an object that I could give away once and then it was gone forever. It was, like... A tool like I could use to connect with somebody or to have fun. Yeah, well, like when that happened, did you? Did it feel like just like this thing just shattered that you had been like? Because it feels like the moment like actual sex happened, it felt like this pressure that you had had for so long. You kind of just like let go in a way, right? Yeah. Like you didn't feel that shame. Maybe like the shame and all that stuff and like all around this one thing, it like happened and the world didn't end. Right. And you could be like, oh. Yeah, I didn't die. Like, yeah. I thought that my life was already over because I had done so much. And then when I had what I, I considered actual sex, like when I did the actual deed that I had been fearing for so long, it was like, oh, I'm still alive. I still have things in my life I enjoy. Um, there, My life is full of possibilities of thing, other things that I can do, other things I can worry about. It freed up so much brain space because I wasn't like obsessing over this whole thing. And it turned out I had a whole life waiting for me outside of just this one obsession. And so I felt like I was free. And I could um, think of myself and what I wanted in a way that was different because it wasn't about like saving myself for someone else. It was about 
what did I want? And that was a question I hadn't really ever asked myself. Yeah, it was finally off of that thing of like, I need to do whatever this man wants me to do. And like more of like, what do I actually want? Yeah. When it comes to this stuff. Right. Yeah. That's like such a good place to get to, right? Right. Yeah. It's like, oh, God, it sucks that it had to be a lot of shitty, a lot of shitty Christian boys <laughs> and like yeah. weird things along the way to get yeah. there. But like, Getting to discover my own agency was so cool. And that led me to so many other things that I'd never thought that I would be able to decide for myself. Yeah. Yeah. And so what happened with the guy? So we, this was my last semester of college and um, I got an internship in New York and we had a conversation like, are we going to stay together if I go to New York? And um we decided we were going to try it for a little bit and see how it went. Uh, meanwhile, um, so I had maybe I had maybe told him a few times, like, I think that I might also like girls a little bit. Oh. And he was like, oh, like, that's cool. You should pursue that. It's super hot. Like, super <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, like stereotypical the classic, like, college man reaction. Say. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so then right before I left for New York, I um, was at a party where a friend of mine started, a female friend of mine started coming on to me and she wanted to like make out with me in front of other people. And I was texting him the whole time being like, oh, this is happening. <laughs> what do I do? And he's like, roll with it, roll with oh, it. Man. This is cool. I want to hear about it. Oh, God. So then like I, we made out a bunch and then we ended up hooking up that night. And so right before I left for New York, I like, had both had sex with a man for the first time and had sex with a woman for the first time. And then after I had been in New York for um, several months, we had decided we were like, we're still dating, even though we're like, oh, it's long distance and this sucks. We don't want to do this. Um, and I went to a lesbian variety show with my friend who was, his band was playing and I was in the band. And, um, it was the first time that I had seen attraction between women celebrated. And I was like, maybe I'm actually bisexual, not just like bi-curious, like not yeah. like this. So I called him and I'm like, what do you think if I'm actually bisexual? Um, and we ended up sort of breaking up for that reason because I wow. had I had never dated girls I wanted to. Um, and also I had a long distance boyfriend in Florida. Like it wasn't really going to work out regardless. <laughs> but part of the impetus for that final breakup was like, oh, like I actually want to try dating girls too. So um, I felt really horrible about that. Like I had this great boyfriend who was very kind to me um, and for a while I considered that like that he had saved my life. Like I thought of it that way. Like, man, that guy saved my life by having sex with me, which is like a really like. <laughs> but, but yeah, like, but, but in a bigger, yeah, like yeah. not, the, yes, that specific act might've been like a thing, <laughs> but like for your, for your. For my personal freedom. But, but right? like, it also seems like that was, had that not happened, you probably wouldn't have ended up breaking up. Like, no, yeah, you probably yeah. wouldn't have gotten to the place he that liberated. you got to, right? Yeah. Like he helped me feel more liberated to a place where I could actually like be think yourself. about what I wanted. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I, yeah, I felt really horrible about that. And like, I mean, it's still very sad to me, but I think about it more of now that like, it wasn't that he saved my life. Like I saved my own life yeah. because the, the power of 
my desire and what I wanted ultimately trumped the shame that I felt around my sexuality. And so like there was something inside of me that was strong enough that like it finally like broke down those walls. Yeah. And um, I think that's, that's super rad. Like I think that uh, <laughs> this might be a cheesy thing that I say, but this is the thing that I think, I think that in some ways libido is life force. Like those things are tied together. Like your, your desire to be intimate with somebody and your desire, your will to live are tied together. And so I think that there's something to be said for the fact that ultimately like my shame did not win in that day. It was like my desire to be alive won. Yeah. But yeah. So like what ended up happening with you and like your religion and your family? Like do you, like what are, like what do you find yourself as these days and like, I, I've, I wrestle with it still. Yeah. Like I tried being very non-religious. Dan was an atheist and introduced me to all these atheist writers. And so I started really considering that viewpoint. But I, I think that there's a little bit more magic and mystery in the universe than we're able to really articulate. And I also, I have Christianity so embedded in my bones um, and in my identity and in my upbringing that it's really hard for me to completely reject it. So I found that I can um, be angry at it or I can find my ways to embrace it. So um, I will still go to church sometimes. So I go to like much more liberal churches than I <laughs> used to go to. And um, I talk about religion in more of like a metaphorical sense um, and in like archetypes and stories that are meaningful to me rather than like these things all literally happened and like this is your prescription for yes. living. Yeah. Uh, and my family is still uh, very religious and very um, deeply embedded in that community, but we've found our ways that we can coexist and it's not, uh, we don't see eye to eye on everything, but it's, it's still warm and we still love yeah. each other. That's yeah. Great. Yeah. And you just live by the libido life force. That's your, <laughs> that's your like governing religion at this point. <laughs> Among other things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks for doing this, Jana. Thanks for having me. This was really fun. Yeah. Um, if people want to like find anything that you got going on online, is do you have like a website or Twitter or yeah, things I'm, that people can I follow? I love you? Twitter. There's not enough people on Twitter. Um, <laughs> really? I think please. we might have enough. We I, have I don't know. Them. It seems like none of my friends okay, are on Twitter. So I want, I want more friends on Twitter. Okay. I'm at Jana Fisher. And um, on Instagram, you can find me at Jana M. Fisher. Uh, my website is janafisher.com. Cool. Cool. Well, thanks so much. Thank you. This is how we love. This is how we fight for something that's right. Love Hurts is produced, hosted, and edited by Brian Berlin. Theme music by Mickey Hommel. Show art by Caroline Mallon. This episode was recorded at the Magnet Theater Training Center. The Magnet Theater offers shows and classes in improv, sketch, musical improv, and storytelling. You can find more information at magnettheater.com. You can find Love Hurts on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, rate and review it on Apple Podcasts, and tell a friend about it. You can find Love Hurts on Instagram and Twitter at lovehurtspod, and our website is lovehurtspod.com. 
I'm Brian Berlin, and this is Love Hurts.